Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Insider, brought to you, just for a change, by Vanishing Inc. Happy New Year to everybody, first of all. And second of all, we're doing a weird episode. We're throwing back. We're throwing way back to episode four of this show, which is when I had the fortune to interview the one and only Ben Seidman. Why am I doing this? Well, it's to remind you of quite how talented, funny and what a clever thinker Ben is, because on Wednesday the 6th of January, Ben will be joining us to perform his virtual show, Camera Tricks, on Vanishing Ink Showtime. Now, in case you're unaware of what Showtime is, basically we've invited some of the best magicians to perform their virtual shows and then do a 60-minute Q&A afterwards. This is exclusive. You can ask Ben questions about his tech setup, about his trick choice, anything you want and he will do his level best to answer them. It's this Wednesday, January the 6th at 9pm Eastern. But I hear you say, I'm busy then, or I'm asleep then, or I'm feeding my dog then. No worries, we've got you, because it's available to stream for seven days after the event. So, book a ticket now, vanishinginkmagic.com slash showtime. Right now, let's go way back, let's go way back to... 2019 when episode 4 of The Insider happened. I've got to warn you in advance, this is before we brought in the four questions at the end bit, so you're never going to know who Ben would prefer to fight out of Josh or Andy. Anyway, let's get on with the show. Certain circumstances you do not want to be talking for more than more than 30 seconds. Pleasantries and then you're out. Absolutely. Um, okay. But speaking of pleasantries, should yes. we do an interview? Okay, let's. And welcome to episode. See how smooth I am there. Welcome to episode four. Yeah, welcome to episode four of the Insider from Vanishing Inc. And on the line today, I am lucky enough to have Ben Seidman. Ben, how are you today? Hello, everyone. Hello, Damien. I'm wonderful. Thanks for asking. Where are you? I'm currently, I was in, I was on a private island in Miami oh, uh, a couple days ago, and then Las Vegas uh, at the Palazzo doing a show with Derek Hughes, and now I'm in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, uh, population, I think it's three now that I'm here. <laughs> so, you know, things, things change quickly, guys, don't get cocky. <laughs> okay, we're going to kick off with this. Because some people, we have listeners all around the world, um, and you are more well known in the States than you are here. So, with no disrespect intended, who are you and what do you do? Oh, no, no, not at all. I'm very, very famous in the States. But let's just, let's okay. perpetuate that rumor The very right now. famous Ben Seidman. Who are you? What do you do? You have 43 seconds. Okay. I, I, first of all, I'll use the first half of that to, to clarify that no one knows who I am. And then I'll use the second half to say I do magic tricks uh, mostly, primarily on stage. I do uh, stand-up comedy and magic together. And that's most of my work. But my background is doing close-up magic, which I still do occasionally and still love. So there is something else that you might become more known for, which is the new show on Netflix. So tell us about oh, that. Yeah. yeah, that's a fun thing. Um, yeah, I'm very, I'm very honored to appear on a Netflix original that just dropped about a week ago called Brainchild. And the show is a science show for kids produced by Pharrell and also Atomic Entertainment, who are the guys who did uh, brain games that um, Apollo Robbins and other great magicians also appeared on. Um, so they kind of, they teamed up with Pharrell, designed this concept, and uh, it's a kid's show version of 
of brain games in a way where they want to teach kids about science, which I think especially right now, I don't know how things are over in the UK, but especially right now in the United States, I think teaching young people about science is more mm-hmm. important than it ever has been. Absolutely. There's a lot of people who are denying science in general. So getting kids into it is great. And uh, yeah, I did segments doing magic on that show. And I think they translated it into all of the languages. So wherever you are listening from, yeah, if you have Netflix, go on there. And you might, you know, if you're in Korea, there might be a Korean person who has overdubbed my voice. And and yeah, I think wherever you are, if you get Netflix, you can search for Brainchild and see my segments. The ones that I'm most proud of are on the episodes Space and Social Media. So it's episode one and episode five. And um, yeah, they're, they're pieces that I designed specifically for the show, for the theme. And I'm really, really proud of that material. I've just seen them and I've just watched them and I am, you see, this is an interesting thing. Whenever anything's on television, YouTube comments always default to, although they may not know the particular vernacular, they will say pre-show or setup or stooges. And I watched the first one and I was like, okay, there's something that that's crazy. And the second one is a beautiful, elegant sleight of hand. So do you want to talk about either of them or... Sure. Yeah, this is this is the first interview that I'm actually uh, talking about Exclusive. them in since it came out. So yeah, um, I'm very, I'm I'm incredibly happy with how they turned out. Obviously, you know, hindsight, you always want to change things, but um, there's two two interesting things here I think that are worth mentioning. Number one is the social media piece was. Um, I'm I'm concerned. I have one big concern with it, and that's that people are just going to go with, "Oh, they're stooges," mm-hmm. because it really looks clean. It really looks good. Um, but I'm incredibly proud of the method that I developed. They are not stooges at all. I promise, from the bottom of my heart, they are mm-hmm. completely, completely fooled. I didn't have them write down information before the show or anything like that. This this really hit them like a ton of bricks. And even though it looks completely impossible, it's a mel- uh, it's a method that I had developed several years ago and then continued to tweak and finally solved all the problems in time to make it work for this show. So uh, that is my promise. People will say, oh, it's completely set up. It is. I I promise you from the bottom of my heart, they are genuinely fooled. It is really, really impactful for the spectator's life. Let's pause because we don't want any spoilers. Anybody that hasn't seen it, go and watch it now. So it's episode one and episode five, right? Uh, yes, episode one, episode five. We'll give you a couple uh, of minutes, yeah. and then you can come back, and then we can talk about it. So the effect is you take a a, a picture. So this is, this is now the spoiler alert. We're assuming that people have paused the interview, and they've gone, they've searched Brainchild on Netflix, and mm-hmm. they've watched my segments, which are about halfway through each episode, Space and Social Media, episodes one and five. And now uh, now we're back, and we're talking about it. So the effect is somebody, uh, you have a a, a, an, a camera and you take a photograph of you with a couple and the first phase is the photograph is placed on top of the lady's iPhone case and it melts through the iPhone case so it's underneath it. Yes. But that's not the, that's not the, that's not the good bit. I mean, it's great, but explain the good bit. Well, sure. The, I mean, you've. You've now hopefully watched them. If not, then... Uh, then It's their fault, man. It's their it's fault. It's totally their... We gave them two chances. Yeah. If you haven't done it, unless you don't have Netflix, then, um, you know, I know that's expensive for a magician. It, it is. They're not going to see it anyway, so we can yeah, just talk about true. it. It's fine. 
Um, and then the the last phase is because uh, the whole premise, the whole theme of the episode is social media, and so they log on to their own. I give them a choice of whatever social media account they want. They open one of them up, and then the photo that I just took moments ago is now now their background photo mm-hmm. on their own account. So when's the app being released? Uh, that is not <laughs> being released. <laughs> You'd you'd sell a lot of them, man. I know. I and it's it's interesting. I the last thing I put out was in I think two thousand and ten, and I haven't released anything since then. Um, intentionally, I really wanted to focus on just performing for people, and I think that a unique idea is such a valuable thing. And I so when I have an idea like that, I'm very I'm very cautious about it, and I'm very guarded. And it's not that I don't want to see other magicians doing something that I created necessarily, it's, uh, well, no, it's exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> the pro- the prob- here's the problem. Uh, magic is such a wonderful thing, but you run into that problem where everything seems very der- derivative, especially to a lay audience. Like, let's say you come out with an insanely good original version of Triumph um, and you, you know, you perform it and it's this just beautiful piece that you developed the method on, you know, you do that and someone else does a cheek to cheek deck. Most lay people are going to think mm-hmm. it's the same trick. Sure. So especially a unique premise, not just a method, unique methods are important too, but especially a unique pre- premise is so incredibly rare and valuable that, um, that I'm very, you know, when I come up with th- things like that, I want to do them and I want to put them out into the world. And I hope that when people see me, they go, oh, great, we saw some stuff that we, we don't necessarily get to see anywhere else. Um, so that's why I'm, I'm cautious about it. Although I should say there's an idea that I had years ago that I've been doing, which is incredibly, incredibly strong, which I'm considering. I can't, can't make up my mind, but I'm mm. considering lecturing on it at the session and maybe putting it out. Ah, because that was good. That I was going to beautifully segue into that then, which is, so what are you going to do at the session, the 21 card trick or something? You know? Sure, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, the session, at the session, I'm doing my full show. I'm doing the show that I do, that I make my living with. So um, I'm doing that, and then I believe I'm doing also a, a little lecture as well where, where I'll talk through a couple of routines and routines and possibly... This other one, which is a uh, which is a, a mentalism piece, it's a close-up mentalism piece that has served me quite well and allows for these wonderful, wonderful moments. So I might, I might put that at the session. We'll see. But as far as the the material on uh, the the material on Brainchild, it probably won't be in print anytime soon. There's the cell phone trick, and then there's a coin vanish sequence, which. It's a hell of a sequence. Oh, thank you. But what's interesting, because there's a couple of bits that I didn't, uh, that yeah, a lot of it fooled me. But what I did figure out, and this was interesting, was that the methods are cancelling each other out. Yes. It seemed to be a sequential thing that went through a vanish of how many, how many half dollars was it? I think it was six, sil- yeah, six silver dollars. And everyone, it seemed, was a different technique. Yes, I, uh, I, yeah, I intentionally designed it so that they, the methods cancel each other out. And for also the other naysayers, I should mention that although I did this to camera, it was designed for people. In fact, the day before I performed it, the executive producers asked if I could do it straight to the camera instead of for the spectators. And that actually made it far more difficult because... Um, because now we're doing one continuous camera shot, and you can't misdirect a camera. <laughs> yes, exactly. So even though even though that was done to the camera, it's designed for a live environment, and I do perform that live. It's a beautiful thing. Everybody should go watch it now. 
Thank you. And then the last thing to mention with this, and unless you have any other questions, happy to talk about it, but the, the other thing I'm quite proud of with these two spots is that um, unlike almost all TV magic shop for shows besides live appearances, um, these were done in one continuous take with any, without any breaks, without any cuts. Why do you think the producers made that decision? Well, actually, uh, it was me who made that decision. Yeah. <laughs> certainly, with certainly with the social media piece, um, the 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 thing with the social media piece in particular was I was worried that if there was any camera cuts, people would think mm-hmm. that that's when we did something. Um, they would think that that's when you know something sneaky happened, and so I was actually adamant. They the I think I think the producers really did want to cut social media and, and tighten it a little bit. Because once I take the photo, it takes a couple, you know, it takes like 30 seconds for that photo to print mm. out of the camera. And so I think they would have been happy to shave it down. But I was incredibly insistent that we keep it all in one continuous shot. Uh, so people didn't think that that was the method. So, um, so yeah, that was, that was a challenge. Because obviously, when you, when you make cuts, it can be advantageous for a variety of reasons. But um, I really... It was very important to me, particularly with social media, to keep it as one continuous shot. And then when they asked to do the space episode, which was the coin sequence, when they asked to do that one, uh, not to the spectators, but directly to the camera, I said to myself, okay, well, that's got to be one continuous shot, too, because there's no good place to cut. It'll be weird if we cut. I think they punch in once, but it's still from the same cut. So, um, yeah, that was a, that was a, a challenge, but I'm... I'm very, very happy that I did it. It was such a, it was such a cool, cool challenge, and um, and I'm happy. I'm I'm very proud that I did it, and know that it can be done. Well, I think it's astonishing that the the talent got to be able to be so uh, forthright in in making that request. Well, in television, I think that is that can be rare, but if you put your foot down and you believe in yourself and you believe in what you're doing, then I think it can be done. The, when I did Penn and Teller's show, they asked for me to submit some tricks, and I, submit, I submitted the piece that I wanted to do. And the producer came back, and they had seen a, a thing I'd done on Travel Channel and said, oh, we, we, we'd, we'd love you to do this, this other trick. But the truth was I'd already done that on a show. I'd already done that on a TV show, and so... Having the footage of that didn't seem valuable to me. So I said, no, I, I've already done that. This is the piece I would like to do. And I just straight up said, this is the piece I would like to do on Fool Us. And if you don't want that piece, then, um, then, then find someone else for the show. Right. And so they said, oh, okay, well, well great. We'll do that then. And, you know, I, I've heard stories of other people who've submitted multiple tricks. Yeah. And then the producers choose. And then the, the, the person... The magicians really bummed out. They're like, oh, I, d- I didn't want to do that one. But, you know, if you're comfortable, if you're comfortable saying no, and you're comfortable losing the job, then you have so much more power because you can, you can call the shots. And worst case scenario, they say no, and you say no, and you walk away as friends. They'll find someone else, and maybe you lose that opportunity, but you, you stick to your guns. And um, I think the the reward is greater than the risk, certainly. Because in that in that situation, you would have ended up with two bits of footage of doing the same trick, and is one of them more valuable than the other? Maybe not, you know. Sure. I mean, I, mean, I, I think that maybe... And the Travel Channel specials I did 
weren't seen by that many people. Foolus is watched by much more. Um, but I wanted, the reason I, I did the piece on Foolus is because it really showcases what my live performance looks like. There's a lot of comedy in it. So if anybody hasn't yeah. seen it, spoiler alert, he does go and watch it. But he does ring wallet and watch. Um, Unless you're going to the session, in which case, wait, you'll see me do it live. It's very good. Um, but there's an awful lot of comedy in there. Have you worked it out? Is this important to you, the comedy to magic ratio? It's not, it's not like a specific ratio where I'm trying to hit 60 to 40% or anything like that. But it is important to me that, um, it is important to me that people walk away thinking that I was funny and entertaining. Sure. Um, it's incredibly important to me. And I think that's why people hire me is, you know, a, a compliment I get from bookers and agents pretty often is, uh, yeah, the magic's incredibly great, but we know that you're going to be funny too. And mm. that, that is a, a huge thing for me. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, enough tooting my own horn. I've got, a, I've got, it's a, everything is a work in process. I am not nearly as funny as I would like to be. And my joke writing is not nearly as good as I would like it to be, but I'm, I'm on that journey and I'm, I'm trying to get better every day. So we're there, and we were talking about Ring Wallet and Watch, which was one of my pre-written and organised questions, which was classic magic versus... I've seen you do both. You do that kind of classic thing, if I think we can call Tommy's stuff classic, and some more modern effects with, like, transpose with wallets and driver's licence and things. So in a fight, who would win, classics or modern, and why? Well, for me, I am not happy if I'm not doing something that I feel is unique and is going into the world in a different way than it came into the world. Okay. So in other words, Ringwatch Wallet is an interesting example because I, Tommy Wonder is my favorite magician, certainly, certainly magic construction wise. And, um, and I've loved that routine for years. And um, I... Although I think most people, and possibly even Penn and Teller, at first, assume that I'm just doing the handling mm -hmm. that is put out in the Books of Wonder. Um, the reason I'm really proud of that routine is because that method is entirely my own. Ah. It was designed to look as close as yeah, possible Yeah, I'm doubly to... fooled then. I don't like you. We were getting on so well. And I just <laughs> thought it was Tommy's handling as well. Thank you. God well, damn it. What, what, this came from, what this came from is I, I communicated with Tommy via email when he was still alive. And I asked him about, about how much it would cost for him to make one of those for me. And um, I was in college at the time. And the number he quoted was certainly reasonable, but way more than I was able to spend. Sure. And, um, and so I thought maybe I can, maybe I can come up with something of my own. And then the other thing was I was in college. I wasn't performing in sports jackets all of the time. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes I wouldn't wear a jacket and I wanted a method that didn't use a holdout. Sure. And I wanted a method that was self-contained. And even now, now that I do wear a sports jacket, when I perform consistently, I remove my jacket during the show. And, um, and so having a holdout wasn't going to work for me. Right. And so I, I, set, I, I set off in this process of trying to develop a routine that looked as close as possible to his, but you know, didn't ha had different, uh, had different, um, different advantages because I can take off my jacket, uh, it's all self-contained, nothing can break. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been one of the pieces that I do in almost every, I would say, 
I would say I do it in every single show because it's um, it really fits me. And the, the stand-up I developed really tells you very quickly who I am mm. and what, what I'm all about. So that's what you open with? It's very close. Uh, it's very close to the beginning. Uh, it's probably the second thing in the set. Right. Although, if I'm in a smaller room and I don't have a microphone, then uh, then I do open with it. Interesting. Okay, so yeah, you for some particular unusual reason, you've got a captive audience on a desert island, Ben. One yes. of those people might be a football with a face drawn on it. Okay. <laughs> you are only allowed three tricks. What are they? Is Tom Hanks in the audience? No, he no, 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 no. I wouldn't do that to you. Oh, well, no, I would be delighted by that. <laughs> um, all right, so I'm, I'm only allowed to bring three picks yep. with me. I would probably bash my head in with a rock. This sounds awful. <laughs> not, not, not the tricks part, just being on the desert. And here's the thing. If I brought material with me, people would just be like, wait. You had the option to bring three things with you, and you picked magic tricks? No, look, Not look, a radio? No. Or food? No, look, or a fishing line? Look, the premise of this is like a 60-year-old, okay. I don't know how old it is, show on Radio 4 called Desert Island Discs, where you're okay. allowed like 10 records, and you then talk to the presenter about why you picked those 10 records and the stories they tell about your life. You're not going to okay. be chastised because you didn't bring a tin opener and, and sure. a radio transmitter. Okay. So let's just put all of that aside. There's no chastise. You are loved, and some people there would love you to show them a trick. You're only allowed okay. to bring three. Ooh. What's the audience size? Uh, let's say 75. Hmm. Great size. Um, let's see. I mean, that, that, is a, that, is a, that is a tough thing. Uh-huh. I would probably bring... I mean, I would want... I would want four silver dollars mm-hmm. and a deck of cards for my own personal okay. enjoyment and satisfaction of, of practicing things, because that's pretty universal. You can do a lot of different things with that. Sure. But if I was going to do just three tricks, I would probably do the, um, the message in a bottle that I'm closing with at Magi Fest, mm-hmm. which has been a part of my working repertoire for years now. Um, I would probably... I might do the phone trick that I did on Brainchild mm-hmm. um, because that is, I designed that for the show, but I'm just now starting to do versions of that live, which is really, really fun and it's hitting really hard. So that's exciting me right now. And um, probably the, the trick I did on the Travel Channel with the broken bottle, okay. which if anyone wants to see, it's if you search for me on YouTube or my website, you can see that trick and the, the it's a it's a big sequence but i shatter a broken bottle i take one of the pieces of broken glass i vanish that piece into my eye i then gather up the uh, edges of a handkerchief with all the broken glass in it and the bottle restores itself except for one piece that is missing one piece of glass is missing which i show my hands empty and then pull out of my eye and show that it matches that that must be a hit for the kids shows oh it's perfect for kids shows yeah absolutely um, if you, you know, if I, if I can injure just one child, then I feel like I've done my, that's best. what I strive for. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that's a whole sequence. So those are, those are probably three things that I would be excited to perform on a desert island. They're good. They're good on the, I should have, I should have set this up actually, because on the, on the radio show on the BBC, they are default allowed the complete works of Shakespeare in a Bible. 
So to translate oh. to magic, we should like default. You're allowed a deck of cards and four silver coins. What else do you yeah. have? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll switch that up for the next time. Thank you for letting me um, test it on you. Oh, no, no, that's good. I thought you were going to say, all right, so all you have is the Bible and Shakespeare. <laughs> I guess Pegasus page? I don't know. Is it is it the gimmick Shakespeare book test thing that came out? I yeah, don't... seriously. Is it Mother of All but with Shakespeare? I can, I can deal with that, I guess. I don't know if it's what I'd want to do as the only trick that I have left, though. Yeah, well, Jeez. what can you do? So, comedy, right? That's tough. Um... Is there any way round what you've clearly done, which is just loads and loads and loads of gigs and loads and loads of flight time? What have you learnt that can help people shortcut through some of the, no doubt, pain and misery that you encountered, Ben? Well, Damien, there's two answers to this. Answer number one is you cannot cut past any of the misery. (laughs) Um, I mean, the real answer is flight time. Mm. and People, yeah, ask me. I get that question a lot, especially Sorry. from magicians. No, it's fine. It's it's a good question, and it makes sense. But there's, you know, the sad answer is really there's no there's nice no shortcuts. shortcut to being great at that. But the I guess the the positive answer, if I was to really try to answer that question, I I, I suppose I would say um, the advice that I have gotten from my stand up comedian friends that I think is great advice is uh, carry around a notebook or a audio recorder, and when you say something funny and the people who are around you laugh, write it down or record it. Right. And it doesn't matter if it's out of context and it's not going to work as a joke, you still you still do it. Like, one of my very close friends is a comedian named Mike Kaplan, uh, M-Y-Q, Kaplan. Uh, he's one of, he was a favorite comedian of, my, a favorite comedian of mine before we even met and became friends. Um, and uh, I love his writing. He's just, his, I think his voice is so sharp and it's so intrinsic to who he is and he's such a great joke writer. But he always has a recording device in his pocket. Right. And whenever we're hanging out, you know, we're making each other laugh and, and any moment that he says something that is funny or even sometimes if something comes up between the two of us, he'll say, hey, do you mind if I record this? Sure. And then he'll take out his recorder and he'll write down, he'll make down, uh, he'll uh, record rather journal entries of just like, hey, on this day I was here and this funny or interesting thing happened. And then, you know, that's the easy part is recording all of these things in life. And then the hard part is making yourself go through those recording and then transcribing them and then deciding what could be the seed of a joke and then sorting through those in the same way that I think I, I audio. Co- audio record almost every show and listen to almost none of them. Right. <laughs> but if I if if I really was But when you're dead, people have this beautiful archive, Ben. I suppose I suppose if they can crack my iPhone passcode. <laughs> you just need to have some celebrity nudes on there and someone will crack <laughs> it then. I don't know. There's an app called Photo Vault that is also password protected. Don't ask me why I know that. <laughs> but uh I think it's good to I think it's good to really have that practice of listening to yourself and trying to find like, oh, that's a thing I never said before, but that will... And it got these laughs. Oh my god, yeah. Most of the things in my show are things that I just said and someone laughed. Like someone, here's a perfect example. Someone came to introduce me years ago, came backstage and said, are you ready? And I said, I was born ready. And then they kind of snickered and I said, wait, that's not true. I wasn't born ready. I was born wet and confused. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is the opposite of ready for most activities. And then I paused and I said, 
most activities. <laughs> and he he burst out laughing. And so I walked on stage and I opened with it. Hey, and it worked. Right. And so I went, okay, so that's a thing. And I don't say that in every show, but that's a when the audience is right, that's a thing that sometimes can come out. So how important do you think it is? Because uh, you did a theater degree, right? I did, yeah. Look at me, researching stuff and everything. I'm very impressed. So how important do you think it is to have other people help you with your work in terms of writers or directors or even consultants for magic? I, I, I equally did a drama degree, and I think there's so many oh, cool. magicians that could benefit just from learning how to stand on a stage, from learning how to move. So how important do you think it is to have other people to help you? Uh, it's very important. I don't... I don't hire. I, there, there are certain magicians who get to a point where they just start hiring consultants who write tricks for them, and that's not that doesn't really interest me because it's the creation of new material and putting it on its feet that really gets me excited. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so that that's not what I'm talking about. But to have someone who has a good eye watching you and and giving you like genuine criticism and advice, that's completely invaluable and if that person has experience as a performer and especially if they have experience as a performer in a different discipline right like as an actor or as someone who can own the stage but doesn't do magic you will get a completely different perspective i learned so much from from my theater degree about performance and even just down to taking classes about technical theater and learning about lighting mm-hmm. when you show up to know what needs to be tweaked about the lighting at a gig like that that stuff is very helpful to learn proper microphone technique mm-hmm. and all of those technical elements you have to learn and you can learn them by just doing them doing it and failing um and and learning but you know there are there are hacks to it i mean maximum entertainment by ken weber is a great book for people who want to do more performances i believe ken is actually putting out a second version of that or an updated version at some point um, so that's a that's a great that's a great tool if you don't have any theater training. But if you do have access to a director or someone who who has that experience, so if you're in a town with an amateur theater company, uh, what do you get in America? Community theater, you call it. I can translate mm-hmm. to, to go and I ask those guys that they'd be happy to help. Oh sure, oh sure. I mean, community theater. Yeah, you have you have people who are who probably love theater and don't do it to make mm. a living because it's an insanely difficult to do that. And most people who try don't, just like magic, but maybe even more difficult. Um, but yeah, there's probably, if you're in a tiny town, there's probably still someone there who has an experience that is going to help. And the key is to the key is to look at that person and what they've done and make your mind up about what advice you should listen to and what you should discount, but <laughs> give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Any cons- constructive criticism from anyone is it's always good. Is useful. I have a friend called uh, David Gerard, based in San Francisco, one of my favorite performers to watch, and he straight up after his gigs, um, not a corporate event probably, but he does like a, a small theater show, and he will walk into the bar where people are hanging out and sort of talk to people, and he will actually ask people direct questions like, did you figure out anything? Mm. Do you think you know how that works? Tell me how you think that works. Wow. Like, he'll actually, most magicians are terrified to ask. He says, wait, that, that thing with the, 
that thing with the book. How do you think it worked? Like, seriously, I'm, I'm trying to crack it. Oh, that's interesting. I can't remember who it was. Pat Page or somebody said the best way to get feedback is hiding in the cubicles in the lavatories after a gig and hearing people. That's taking it to the next level. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, getting people's, getting people's real opinion is incredible. I, you know, if I had all the resources in the world, I would, have, I would hire people to go and listen to the audience as they're walking out and make notes. Mm. I, absolutely. Because most magicians, myself included, can be scared of what people of course, really man. think and feel. We're human. Do you know what I mean? We're human, yeah. of course. <laughs> yeah, but if you can get over that, you get better quicker. Sure. Ben, thank you so much for taking up so much of your time uh, talking to us today. I really, really appreciate it. And I very much look forward to meeting you in January. It was my pleasure. Great talking to you. Wait, should I have hit record at the beginning of this?